Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Hallelujah. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Hallelujah. We had a beautiful time on Friday night. Um, Our Fridays are getting so rich and so glorious and so fun. Um, Give me a wave if in the last couple of months or few weeks, you've you've received a healing in your body. God's done something miraculous in your body. Just give me a wave. Look at this. Look at this. Wow, God. Wow, God. People come up and they share the testimonies of what the Lord's done. And it just gives my heart so much joy. And there's so much power in testimony. Uh, I'm going to share some about that tonight. How are we going, guys? Is this, is this in the right place? Does it sound happy? Hallelujah. It just feels like it's ringing a tiny little bit. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Father, we're thankful. God, we're so grateful. Father, we just take a moment to say thank you for sending Jesus. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Wow, God. You knew what we needed. You had it all planned. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so grateful. Lord, we give you worship. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know what? A word from God, when he speaks to us personally, is something that no one can take away from us. When I was saved at 12, I, um, I had cried out to God. I'd said, Lord, I believe in you, but I can't see you and I don't know you. And it's very hard to worship someone I can't see and I don't know. And so as I began to just worship him and begin to pray and say, Lord, help <laughs> There is no connection here. I need, to, I need to see you. I can't see you. I, can't, I don't know you. Help. And right there in that moment, he made himself personally real to me. I was able to say, I was blind, but now I see. And you know, every time he speaks a word to my heart, it makes the harp in my heart sing. Yeah. You know, his voice causes the strings of my heart to resonate. I used to be a music teacher and... Um, we know that if a snare drum hasn't been snapped or if, um, if there's stringed instruments on the platform, they resonate with sound and they start resonating without anyone touching them, just with sound. And so in the same way, the voice of God, we have, we have a religion where people say, your God speaks back to you? When I've shared with with Hindus and others, they are amazed that you have a God who personally talks to you. And this is the gift that we have. And the power of that testimony, I have seen change lives because when people recognize, wow, he is real 
and he wants to come and speak personally to me. The fact that he spoke to you means that he can speak to me too. And it causes them to begin to seek him, to find him, to know him. And so I really wanted to share uh, today a message with you about the power of what it looks like to hear the voice of God and to testify about him revealing himself to us. I wanted to just begin. Um, thank you, hallelujah. I just wanted to begin by uh, sharing a testimony from my friend Ash. Uh, Dr. Ash, why don't you come on up? And I want, I want him to just share a testimony of how he came to Christ. Because every one of us, I believe, um, has a testimony. But when we share that, the reality of that testimony, that's when we think, see things shift. When we be able to tell people, this is what happened to me, we're able to see uh, people's hearts light up. So come on up, Ash. Come and share with us. Give him a hand as he comes. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for that. Um, as few of you know me, uh, I'm Ash. And I was touched really, you know, by Pastor's message last uh, week when she was speaking about the Father's love and how uh, Psalm 27 was, you know, such a, a real kind of a word for her. But it reminded me of when I was, you know, in a crossroads of my life. And that was the same verse, you know, which touched my life. Uh, Psalm 27, I wouldn't forget because that's when I held on to that word, and it took me, you know, through all my days. And if I am here, if I am who I am today, it was because of, you know, his love for me. And his, never has, his love has never failed me. His love has never left me. So let me just go back quickly uh, and tell you a little about myself. Like Pastor said, I come from a strong Hindu background uh, from India. I was born in a small village where there was no education, uh, there were no midwives, no hospitals. So I was born at home, and there was literally a quack who delivered me. Um, I'm the youngest in my you know, family, in my siblings. But I wasn't fortunate enough, like you know, most of you, to even have a mother, because she died when I was two. But saying so, my uncle decided to sponsor me. And he said, OK, I'll sponsor you. I'll send you for education. So he sent me to a boarding school. 2,000 kilometers away at the age of five. So young mums, I'm sure you'd appreciate. Age of five, I'm gone. I'm gone to the boarding. And um, that's where I was. That's where I grew. But saying so, while I was over there, you know, going fast forward a bit, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty details of how I became a secret Christian. But in grade nine, I decided to take the water baptism. And I did that, not really knowing what consequences are going to be you know, on my head, what's going to happen. But it was as good as signing a dead warrant, you know, just signing my own dead warrant and saying, OK, here you go, guys. Have a field day. I didn't know that. You know, I was only in grade 9. But God, in his mercy, in his love, silenced everyone and everything. No one knew about it. No one except my sponsor, my uncle in Singapore. And he flew down, and he had a long chat with me. And he wanted to take the action that you know, the public would have done. And in short, when I told him, yes, what I did, and that I've taken the water baptism, that's when reality struck me. And he said, 
you know, you know that a lot of things can happen to you. You know that you're going to have to face up to this. So in short, why don't you just denounce Jesus, denounce him today, and then I'll let you continue to study. I'll let you continue to stay here. Otherwise, I'm going to send you back to your village. I'm going to let the public know what you've done. And then it's not on my head. It's up to you and your God. And there I am sitting on the parapet wall in my boarding school. That's when the Psalm 27, that verse where it says, even though your father and your mother forsake you, I, the Lord, am with you. And it was such a revelation to me at that moment when I came to know that this voice, I hadn't even read Psalm 27 because, I mean, I had only a small Gideon's pocket Bible. I didn't know, you know, where this verse came from. But I took that to be the truth. I took that to be coming from the Lord, and I made it mine. And I made it mine, and I knew, and I knew that this is the Lord speaking to me, saying that I'm going to be your father. I'm going to be your, you know, look, your, your, your well-taker, your redeemer. And there was some boldness in me in which I just told very meekly to my uncle. I remember clearly, I said, once a Christian, you're always a Christian. And that's all I said. And I said, and I'm ready for you to do what you want to do. I'm happy to go back. Long story short, I don't know what he told me after that. He did not send me back. But I knew that verse, I knew that God who spoke to me and told me that very day that I'm going to be your father, I'm going to look after you, don't worry about your mother and father. That became even more real to me because a few years later, while I was in another boarding school, my earthly father died. And I just realized that I said, you know what? I know that Psalm 27 now said that promise, and it said, though your mother and your father have forsaken you, if they have abandoned you, and though I'm like an orphan, but he has taken me in, and he has made me his. And that's so true, because not a single day, and I can put my hand on my heart, not a single day have I ever felt or did I ever feel that I was an orphan? Because I know and I know he has been my father all along. He has been my father all along. And, you know, I, I don't want to boast in what blessings and prosperity, you know, that the Lord has brought upon me. You know, he's, he's, he allowed me to continue my studies. So I did my, you know, uh, A-levels. I did my O-levels, A-levels. He took me to a medical school over there, and then he allowed me to graduate. He took me to a, a surgeon school there. I became a surgeon. He took me to Korea, and he gave me another degree there. And he took me to England, and he gave me another degree there. And he's then, and time and time after that, I knew that the Father's love for me has never left me, only because I'm, I'm, I'm so sure that when you hold on to that promise that the Lord has given you, and when you know that he is there really for you, it just testifies volumes. It testifies volumes. And if I'm here, if I'm who I am, I know it's because of him. And knowing his love for me, it has never shaken me. And I can assure you that this testimony, if it can reach out to any one of you, I would say just take it because he loves you all. He loves each one of you. And he's just waiting for you to say, yes, Daddy God, I want to be loved by you. And that's it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, blessed my heart. If you get the chance to sit with Ash and Aditi and hear both of their testimonies, it's just, it's just extraordinary how the Lord uh, 
ministered to them, spoke to them, brought them to Christ. And, you know, that reality of, of the Father wanting to speak words to us, when we respond in belief and say, Lord, I believe, I hold on to your word, he is faithful. We've been looking at um, John chapter four, and I want to just turn there again today. It's such a beautiful chapter. I encourage you to look at the whole chapter. In fact, the whole book's delicious. The book of John, where he continually refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loves. Isn't it good to be able to be so secure in the love of God that you don't care what anybody else thinks? My father is mine, and I am his. My beloved is mine, and I am his. Hallelujah. He had a revelation that Jesus wanted to give this woman at the well. And we know the story that uh, he came to the well, sent the disciples off to get some food, and a Samaritan woman comes, and he asks her for some water, and she's shocked and says, why would you want anything from me? Knowing that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't have anything to do with each other, didn't like each other, and particularly in that culture, men wouldn't speak to women. And yet here was Jesus reaching out saying, can you give me some water? You know, I really believe that the Father is longing, thirsting to receive from us what he wants to give to us. We love because he first loved us. And with that same love that he has, he wants to receive from us. He wants to drink deeply from our well. He wants to receive what we want to give him, and that is the love of Christ, given back to him. In Song of Songs, we read about the Savior, the bridegroom king, coming and putting his hand on the lock. And it says there in the Song of Songs that my heart trembled, the bride's heart trembled when she heard his hand at the lock. You know, he, he is expressed here as I'm having a deep desire to come and have fellowship with you. The bride's response is, well, you know, I'm already in bed, I have to have washed my feet, you know, it's not really convenient. But then she realizes, no, no, actually, he's the one my heart is longing for. Every one of us have a deep, deep longing for the love of Christ. Amen? Amen. This is still ringing a, a lot. Can we fix that? Thank you. Hallelujah. So I want to pick up the story. Jesus comes to the woman, and the woman uh, gives... Uh, is, is asked to give some water. Hallelujah, I'm so sorry. Do we need to change this microphone? Because it's, maybe we, I, I just keep getting a ring. Sorry. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. There's just a ringing, it just rings. Yeah. It will be all right? Okay. Sorry, guys. Hallelujah. Technical difficulties. How's that? All right? Praise the Lord. Okay. 
Hallelujah. There we go. All right. He comes and he says, give me something to drink. And she's shocked. She says, "Ah, why would you want something from me? And then he says to her, if you knew, if you only knew who was sitting here, you would ask me for living water. And he responds and he says, uh, she, she responds and says, well, do you say that you're greater than Jacob who gave us this well? And Jesus says, well, those that drink from Jacob's well will thirst again and again and again. But those who drink the living water that I have to offer them will never thirst again. They will be satisfied with a spring that will continually well up from within them. A fountain of life, hallelujah. The woman replies, let me drink the water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. And Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who's not your husband. You've told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right. Basically, he comes with a word of knowledge and he tells her, I know everything about you. I know about your life. This woman has been rejected over and over and over again by six different men. Now the seventh man comes and says, I have what you've been longing for. I am the one that your heart's been seeking. She's been drinking from Jacob's well, that is the well of men, the well of humans trying to get her thirst satisfied from people. You know, we do that. Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm all right. Give me some affirmation. Encourage me. Help me. Because there is a deep need within every one of us for significance, to feel like we're okay, we're significant, we belong, we're, we're loved. And when we don't know it, we go to people and we try to get it subconsciously whether we understand that we're doing it or not. And this woman was, was trying to find love but had been rejected over and over again. And here's Jesus coming saying, I wanna give you what you've always longed for. I wanna so satisfy your heart and I wanna do it knowing everything about you. The fact that you've had this past doesn't disqualify you from being somebody that I want to fill with my love, which is astonishing. Most of us think we need to try and fix ourselves up before we come and we get to drink deeply of the river of his love for us. Yet he loves us while we were yet sinners. His love is so intense that he's there going, I know everything about you and I still love you and I wanna give you my love, I wanna satisfy you. You know, we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be afraid when we come to Christ that we somehow might be rejected. When we come to him, he wants his light and his love, his fountain to so fill our hearts that we allow his light to dispel all the darkness. We exchange our life to receive his light. 
We come with a guilty conscience and he comes and he gives us a clean conscience. We come and we give him all our past, everything that we've done. And he comes and he gives us beautiful new garments, clean clothes. But sometimes people think too that, well, I did that. I gave my heart to the Lord, but I've done some things. And now they think, well, that same grace that was available to me when I was a sinner and turned to Christ is no longer available to me. So now I'm gonna have to work. I'm gonna have to try and get back into favor with God. Yet the Bible doesn't teach anything like that. He says that he alone has the power to take away sin. When we acknowledge our need for for him, when we come to him and we don't hide the fact that we have need, but acknowledge, God, I need mercy, I need forgiveness, that was wrong, I'm sorry. He doesn't stand there and go, well, I gave you forgiveness once. He's there saying, here it is. My mercies are new every morning. I love you. I know exactly what you've done and my love for you has not changed. Our wonderful Jesus. It's in receiving that love that we actually get the power to live free. Because it's shame and condemnation and guilt that makes us wanna hide ourselves. And then when we hide ourselves, we're no longer drinking from the living water. And so we go back to Jacob's well and try to get satisfied by something else. An addiction, people, whatever it might be to try and fill the void, fill the need. This fountain of living water though, it's an invitation. And it's something that we need to go deliberately and receive from every day. I see the Father saying, I want to so fill you to overflowing with all my fullness, with the fullness of his love he wants to pour out into our hearts every day so that it overflows. But unless we actually recognize that and deliberately go and take the drink and and position ourselves to be continually receiving, we don't get to enjoy what he wants to give. We need to be really intentional to take time to fellowship with the Savior, to take time to respond to his longing to come and be with us, to come and have a cuddle, to say, I, I, look, I admit it, I need a cuddle every day, actually many times a day. I love it. And I need it from my Father, my Heavenly Father. I need him to come and affirm me, his wraparound presence. Mm. So satisfies my heart, but if I don't go to him believing that he wants to give it to me, and if I don't go to get it, then I still have a need. And without drinking deeply from his fountain, I'm gonna seek for that need to be filled somewhere. So God's asking us to recognize, hey, I've laid a banqueting table before you in the presence of your enemies. Come and eat. I've got living water for you. Come and drink. Recognize that you have need and come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come to me, all who thirst. I will satisfy you. Drink deeply from the river of my pleasure. So the enemy, knowing that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, 
puts his efforts directly aimed at trying to get you too busy, too preoccupied to prioritize drinking from the fountain. Sometimes we, we put the idea of a quiet time with God into the, you know, oh, I should do box. I should do that every morning. Okay, I'll try to get my obligation. All right, open the Bible. I read a verse. Hooray. Did my thing. And it's better than doing nothing. Absolutely. I like to listen to the audio Bible. I, I enjoy that. I can get more. But I like to sit and I like to read and digest the word. But I also need face-to-face -face time with him where I lift up my voice and I talk to him and I hear his voice and I let him speak to me through his word, through his voice. I ask the Holy Spirit, help me, show me what you want to say to me today. And I meditate on what his voice is saying to me through his word because he wants to speak a personal word to us every day. Amen? She starts going off on an argument should we do worship this way? Should we do worship that way? And Jesus just cuts it off and um, brings it back and says, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain in Jerusalem uh, or here, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, Worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit and he longs to have sincere worshippers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The woman said, oh, this is all so confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah, and when he comes, he'll tell us everything we need to know. Then Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I'm the one you're looking for. I just love the way Jesus so personally looked at her and said, I'm here. This is me. He gave her a revelation of himself. Here I am. God wants to give us a revelation of himself personally. That's how we're converted, when we meet the Savior. And if you will seek him, you will find him. If you will talk to him, he will talk back. Hallelujah. He wants so much to have fellowship with you. If you will go to him and say, Lord, I want to know you, he'll give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, to enlighten the eyes of your understanding. It's a supernatural thing. When Peter had a revelation about who Christ was, Jesus said to him, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. There's something supernatural that happens when we have a revelation of, oh, there you are, <laughs> there you are, you're real. That's available to every one of us. But it's not just available at our conversion. It's actually available to us every single day. God wants to reveal himself to us in a myriad of ways every day if we will take the time to intentionally look and see. Look with an expectation to see. Daniel, all the way through the book of Daniel, it says, I looked and I saw. 
I looked again and I saw because he looked with intentionality, expecting to receive. If every day you come and believe that the Father wants to feed you with heavenly manna, that the Father wants to fill you with the fountain of living water, you will receive what you go in faith to take. God doesn't say come and drink and not provide. You know what? Every one of us have a thirst, a longing, a deep desire. As a deer pants for water, so my soul longs, thirsts, pants after you. Our deep need cries out to the deep kindness of his love and he's just waiting to fill us, fulfill us and overwhelm us with his kindness. But we've got to go and open our mouths, lift up our head and let him fill us. Hallelujah. The disciples come back and they say, what's going on? Uh, They look, actually, they don't say what's going on. They're all thinking to themselves, what's going on? Why is he talking to a woman? So they're all a bit embarrassed. They don't say anything. And the woman leaves and she goes directly to tell everybody, I found him, you've got to come. I found the Messiah. And she comes and she leads a whole village to Christ. Meanwhile, the disciples are there going, "Um, did you want the food that we got? And Jesus says, I've had food you know nothing of. And they're like, well, who gave him food? Who did that? Where did he get this from? Jesus was satisfied. He was so happy in his heart because he had seen the desire of his heart. That is a soul reconciled to him. He'd had the privilege and the joy of seeing one of the ones that he'd created find him. And I tell you, the satisfaction, the joy over one that gets reconciled to God, the Bible says there's a party in heaven. And it is so joyful and so rich. And every time we come and worship him, the same joy is in his heart. They're like, oh, there they are, my children. Jesus spoke up and said, my food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and to bring it to completion. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying, one sows the seed and another reaps the harvest. I've sent you out to harvest a field that you haven't planted, where many others have labored long and hard before you. And now you're privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. You know what? Your testimony has the capacity to influence way more than you ever imagined. She wasn't qualified in the eyes of men. She was despised, rejected, had a terrible reputation. Yet when she found Christ and went and told them, I found him, they believed her. They came. 
You know, when you have a genuine revelation of who he is, people can see it in your face. They'll see it in your actions. It'll, it, it, something changes when you see him. The Bible says when we see him, we become like him. When we get a revelation of who he is, we get a revelation of who he now has made us to be. Our true destiny, our true identity, hallelujah, is to manifest him. He who knew no sin became sin so we could become the righteousness of God in Christ so that we could be reconciled back into our true destiny. That is to be sons and daughters of the most high God, the body of Christ manifesting the very same virtues of Christ in the earth with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit longs for every one of us to live a life that is so rooted and grounded in his love, that is so saturated and satisfied with living water that we are filled up to the point we overflow. God wants you to overflow today. He's longing for you to recognize that I don't have to live this life on my own, but he wants to fill your deep need. Even if you've been someone that has had father and mother forsake you, if you've had rejection after rejection, I used to have so much rejection in my life that my my interactions with people were colored by the the sense of rejection that I continually had. And in fact, the more rejected I felt, the more I anticipated being rejected and the more rejected I became. And I'd draw, I'd, 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 cause people to have to back away from me because I was behaving in such a way that was so insecure, trying to get what I need, yet not knowing how to get what I need, anticipating that I'm not going to get what I need, and, and I was saved. But I didn't know that I had a fountain I could go and really drink from. I didn't know that there was love that could come in and cast out all the fear of rejection, abandonment. I didn't understand that he wanted to fill me, not with a one-off encounter, but with a continuous encounter of his face that would cause all of my fears to be displaced with perfect love. When we come into his presence, when we let him speak to us, the things of earth grow strangely dim, as the old song says. He wants us to know that he wants to so fill us that we become secure, rooted and grounded in love. We're gonna take communion today. But today, rather than doing our communion groups, I'm going to, um, we're gonna open the altar after communion. And I just believe the Father wants to invite us into encounter afresh today. I believe that the Lord wants every one of us to begin to recognize that every day you have access to the fountain of living water that is going to cause you to be so satisfied that never again will you have to go after somebody else to get what you need. So that your human relationships aren't going to be about trying to make you feel okay, being accepted, tell me I'm okay. I I mean, I, I used to, try to say things, name drop and do stuff to try to get people to say, hey, aren't you wonderful? Because I didn't believe it myself. And I had this deep gaping hole 
And then I'd walk away and go, oh, that was so embarrassing. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, what am I doing? You know, I'm boastful and proud. And I was just in this continuous mess of trying and then being condemned and, oh, this isn't working. But when I began to be deliberate to drink deeply from the fountain of his pleasure for me, my interactions with people changed. I was no longer needy for love from them because I was able to be so full that I was instead able to manifest his kindness, able to manifest his love. I was able to walk with the knowledge that I know who I am because I know who my Father is. Hallelujah. It's not a pride. It's an absolute holy security of being rooted and grounded in love, surrounded by his favor as with a shield. And I was able to walk as somebody that was, was safe, secure, loved, and powerful because the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead was upon my life. I believe there's people here that it's resonating with you that, hey, I I find myself behaving like that a bit sometimes. I find myself struggling with the sense of rejection. I, I find myself having a deep need and yet not knowing how to get it filled. I believe the Father wants to help you today and every day. So we're gonna take communion together, but before we do that, I wanna ask you, if you're here today, and you know in your heart, you haven't got that relationship with God where you have sought him and found him. The Lord's looking for us to respond to his invitation. He says, I wanna give you my mercy, I wanna give you my righteousness. But until we say, Lord, I need it, we don't receive it. We must be a people who learn to acknowledge our deep need. We have need of a savior. We have need of his love. When we come and say, Lord, I need you, be my savior, be my Lord, he comes and he wants to fill you with his eternal life, hallelujah. If you're here today and you know in your heart you wanna get your life right with God, You wanna say, yes, Lord, today I wanna cross the line and say, Lord, I acknowledge I have need. The Bible says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And no one can do well enough to measure up to the standard of God. And God who is holy can't be joined to anything less than perfectly holy and righteous. So without Jesus, we have no hope. But because Jesus came, he who knew no sin came and became sin so we could become righteousness. When we receive his free gift of forgiveness, mercy and righteousness, he makes us qualified to be joined to him in fellowship. It's the most amazing gift, but it's a divine exchange where you exchange your sin, your shame, and you receive an exchange his mercy, his righteousness, his grace. If you're here today and you say, I want that to be my experience, I want to respond to the mercy of God, I want to cross the line and I want to be born again, I want to be saved, I want to receive him as my saviour, I want to come into fellowship with God, I'd love to pray with you today before we take communion. Is there anyone here? Just wave your hand at me if you say, that's me. 
I want to respond to the mercy of God today. Let me see your hand, if that's you. Is there anyone here today? Thank you, Papa. All right, we're going to take communion together. So if you'd like to take your communion in your hand and stand with me. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.